Next week, we will be concluding this sermon series with our ninth in the series. And actually, James right here, our recent Harvard grad, will be preaching for us next week. Looking forward to that a lot. Uh, today, we are thinking about how it is that this work of God happens in our lives. As we've been going through Galatians, we've been talking about the fact that it's by faith in God's grace that we receive this new life, that we're adopted into God's family, that our sins are forgiven, that God begins and works this sanctifying work in our life. But what is it that empowers that work? How is it that we go from being lost to found? How is it that we go from being under sin to forgiven? How is it that we go from being uh, in, uh, in the flesh to in the spirit? How, how does that transformation happen in our lives? What is the power that empowers that change in our lives. And as we begin uh, to, to think about that, I'd love to just ask you this question. If you had a superpower, what would it be? If you had a superpower, what would it be? Just think about that for a moment. If you want, there's a place on your sermon notes to write down. If you had a superpower, what would it be? As you think about that, I'll tell you about an experience in my life. About four or five months ago, my dad and I in February went to a camp up in the Outer Ondikes in the middle of the winter. It was great. Uh, we went out on a snowshoeing excursion. And, uh, and as we were getting out of the van, there was about a 20-year-old uh, young adult who was leading this snowshoeing trip. He was getting the equipment out of the van, and he said, let's spend a few minutes getting to know each other, fellowshipping before we go out on this snowshoeing hike. And, uh, and so why don't we go around, everybody share their name, where they're from, and if you had a superpower, what would it be? Well, that's the first time maybe in my life, somebody asked me that question. You know, what I noticed instantly was everybody under about the age of 35 instantly shared their superpower and started debating the properties of each superpower versus the others. You know, everybody who was older than about 50, which included my dad, myself, and one other people, person just stared at each other, which isn't normal for me. But I thought, you know, as we went around the circle, I thought, you know, the only superpower I can think of is flying. You know, I remember Superman could fly, uh, but have not spent a lot of time thinking about superpowers for a long time. So let me give you a list. If you're in that group, this is a, a list of, of superpowers that were shared with me as we were going around that circle. Super speed, invisibility, superhuman strength, mental telepathy, X-ray vision, shape-shifting, time travel, heat vision, ability to freeze things, ability to fly. If you had a superpower, what would it be? If, if you could have a superpower in life, what superpower would you want? Now, the Bible doesn't believe in superheroes in the sense of modern fictional superheroes. The Bible doesn't teach superpowers in the modern fictional sense of superpowers. But the Bible teaches that when we come to faith in Christ, when we receive God's grace in our lives, when we, when we receive Christ into our lives, that we receive a power for living. It's not an impersonal power like we think of these superpowers, something that we control, something that we utilize for our efforts. This superpower is a person. It's the third person of the Trinity. He is personal. He's the Holy Spirit who comes into our life and fills our life. The very presence of God 
who led the children of Israel out of slavery, who parted the, the waters of the Red Sea, who led the children of Israel at night with a pillar of fire and during the day with a pillar of cloud, the Holy Spirit that filled the temple and the tabernacle in the days of old. That, that, that power has now come to fill us. Like on the day of Pentecost, it came down, the Holy Spirit, he came down and filled those believers in the upper room and they went out in the streets and began to proclaim the mighty deeds of God in all the languages of the nations. That power, the Holy Spirit himself, lives within us. And it's by that person, the, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, that we're able to live these new lives. So often when we think about this journey into this new life. So often when we think about salvation or justification, so often when we think about the gospel, our concept of the gospel is it's a theological idea, and I need to believe in that theological idea to experience its power in our life. And that is true. But the, the, the real essence of the empowering presence of the gospel isn't a theological idea that I just give mental assent to. It's a relationship that I receive, and that relationship that I receive is received through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And so tomorrow, this morning we're going to think about what the presence spirit, the, the Spirit's presence in our life, what His presence does in our lives. And we're looking at three extraordinary effects of God's superpower, this empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, how this change should happen in our life, how this transformation uh, uh, avails itself to our lives and how we recognize the, the Spirit's work or the lack thereof in our lives. Three extraordinary effects of God's superpower in our lives. Number one, the power to overcome evil. When we receive God's empowering presence in our lives through the gospel, but particularly through receiving the Holy Spirit, through opening our lives up by walking with the Spirit, we receive a power to overcome evil. Let me read it for you, Galatians 5, 16 through 21. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. When Paul says walk by the Spirit, he means walk in this relationship with this empowering presence of the Spirit in your life. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. We have an opponent. The Spirit has an opponent in our life. It's our flesh. Our flesh has an opponent in its life. It, it is the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. So that you may not do the things you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. For the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, of which I forewarned you, as which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says that when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we walk by the Spirit, when we're led by the Spirit, we have a superpower to overcome evil. We live differently. Our life produces different deeds. Paul's talking to people who he knows. If you remember, he's writing about 49 AD, but two years prior to this, he was in Galatia. He led these people to the Lord. 
He saw them say yes to Jesus. He watched as their sins were forgiven. He witnessed the Holy Spirit coming and filling their lives. He saw the demonstration of the Spirit in their life. He's seen them be filled with the Spirit, but now he's hearing, he's recognizing, he understands that they're not walking in the Spirit. They've got the Spirit, but they're not walking in the Spirit. They're not being led by the Spirit. And so he's writing this book to them to say, you've got to be led by the Spirit. You can't live this gospel life on your own. You can't do this in the flesh. You can't do this in your own ability. You have to do this through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. When Paul says flesh in this context, he means the the sinful fallen nature that we all were born with. And so he says, when we live by that, by our own power, our own flesh, our own selfish, sinful nature, our lives are going to produce, and he gives us a list, the deeds of the flesh, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. He lists 15 deeds And his purpose in listening to those 15 deeds is so you and I could say, ouch. You know, we probably see ourselves in that list someplace. There's probably something in that list that reminds us of us not on our best day. And just in case there's not, he adds to the end of that and things like these. You know, if you say, oh, I'm I'm, I'm pretty good. I got 0 for 15 and things like these. What he's saying is, is that, Our lives are going to produce these evil deeds, these deeds that come from our sinful nature. But when the Holy Spirit fills our hearts, fills our lives, and we walk by the Spirit, the Spirit is in opposition to this sinful nature, and the Spirit empowers us to live differently. That when we live by the Spirit, we don't do the deeds of the flesh. We live differently. You know, in our world, it's pretty easy to spot evil, right? You just pick up the newspaper, you look at your feed on your phone. Every day there are stories about evil in the world. It may be the war in Ukraine that we've been reading about for over a year now. It may be the war in Yemen that's been going on for more than 10 years. We don't read very much about it, but we see it. It may be the gun violence in the United States. Almost every week, it seems like there is some mass shooting someplace, and every day we're like, oh my gosh, when is it going to end? Or it may be uh, the racial injustice in our country or inequity that's been going on for 400 years. And as we, as we read of, as we think about this evil, we could come to the mistaken belief that evil is something that those people deal with or that evil is something that happens far away, or that evil is something that happens in these individuals who who get a gun and just go crazy. But the truth of the message of the gospel is that the same evil that's behind those deeds, those individual practices, and the systems in our world that corrupt our world are also in our hearts. They're in here. That the same brokenness of sin is in here. And so Paul wants us to see when he's talking about this transformation that happens, that it's us where this starts. And that's why he says dissensions, factions, envying, disputes. Anybody from their heart experience disputes, dissensions, strife, jealousy? 
Paul says, this is the normal practice of our broken lives. But when we walk by the Spirit, not just when we receive the Spirit, but when we walk by the Spirit, he says later, when we're led by the Spirit, we don't do these things. Because there's a, there's a spiritual presence within us which is empowering a different kind of life. The first superpower, the first effect of the superpower of the Holy Spirit in our life is that we have this power to live differently and, and that living differently is to overcome evil. There's a second effect of the superpower in our lives and that's the power to do good, the power to do good. You can see this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Paul says when we walk by the Spirit, we don't commit the deeds of the flesh. Instead, when we walk by the Spirit, our lives produce fruit the fruit of the Spirit. And I think Paul uses the word fruit on purpose. It's a little contrast from deeds, but it's very similar because Paul wants us to, to recognize, to, to realize that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control are not something that I need to develop on my own in my life. That would be great if I could do that. If I could read a book and become a more patient person. If I could read a book and become more faithful. If I could go, go to a seminar and learn how I could become more gentle. That, that would be great, and I'm not opposed to you trying. But Paul sees these as a produce, as a fruit of a change in our heart. That something happens within me that produces a good fruit. And what that happens that was in me is, is that the Holy Spirit fills my heart, but not just, say again, he's not taught, he, people, these people are already filled with the Holy Spirit. That we walk, that I walk with that Holy Spirit in my life. That when I allow the person of God to live in my life and I walk daily with the person of God, the Holy Spirit in my life, my life produces these fruit. Jesus says something very similar in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 18. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, and the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. If you're a fig tree, you're going to produce figs. If you're alive, if you're healthy, you're going to produce figs. You're never going to produce thorns and thistles. If you're a thorn or a thistle, you're not going to produce grapes. No matter how much you're thriving as a thorn or thistle, you're not going to produce grapes. That's not, what, that's not what it produces. You're going to produce, if you're healthy, you're going to produce what you are. And Paul's saying, when we allow the sinful nature, what he calls the flesh, to to run our lives, we are going to produce those deeds of the flesh. But when we walk by the Spirit, we're going to produce this fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can, can you look at your life and see that you're becoming a more patient person? 
As you walk by the Spirit, do you recognize that you're becoming more gentle? As, as you walk daily with God, can you, can you, can, can you recognize, do so people around you recognize that you're becoming uh, more self-controlled? And of course, circumstances affect our lives. You know, you may be going through a very stressful circumstance in your life, and it's hard for you to be patient, but you're more patient than you would have been if it weren't for walking by the Spirit. You, you, you may be going through a difficult time at work, and it's hard for you to be self-controlled, but you're more self-controlled than you would because the Holy Spirit is working, producing that fruit in our lives. And Paul's telling these Galatians, because remember, they're flipping out of gospel into legalistic religion. Paul's telling them, this is not a fix-yourself-up self-help seminar in how to be a better person. This is a transformation that takes place as we allow God to live in us so that God through the Holy Spirit can live through us in the world. And his point is, is that we have this power. He's, he's watched them come alive spiritually. He knows they have this power, the Holy Spirit in their life, but they're not walking in it. They're walking in their own ability. And Paul says, no, surrender to, walk in, live in this relationship, be led by the Spirit, and you will produce these good fruit. And so Paul offers then a third uh, extraordinary effect of God's superpower, and that is the power to live a new life, the power to live a new life. In Galatians 5, 25 through 6, 5, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's what Paul's saying. I've seen you guys come alive spiritually, but I don't see you walking in the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another, brethren or brothers and sisters, even if anyone is caught in any trespass. You who are spiritual, you who are filled with the Spirit, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. Then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, but not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Years ago, I used to do a bit of gardening. Uh, before I had kids, I actually, when I was living in Norfolk, had a pretty good-sized garden. And, and in that garden, I'd have tomato plants and pepper plants and different squash plants and uh, melons. I tried to grow melons for a while, and Margaret reminded me after the first service, uh, cucumbers. We used to have cucumbers. Um, but over time, a couple things happened. Number one, for some reason, I wasn't really able to grow decent melons, and nobody ate anything else I grew except for the tomatoes, especially the squash. And so over time, I stopped, first I stopped growing the squash because we ended up with hundreds of yellow squash and zucchini, and nobody would eat any of them but me, and I didn't particularly like them myself. And so we just stopped growing them. And then over time, it happened, and we just started growing tomatoes. But anyways, in those first years when I stopped growing the squash, they still came up. They were so prolific in my garden. They still came up, and they would have the vine growing, and I'd had 
yellow squash and I had zucchini and I had pumpkins. And so when they began growing, I didn't know what they were. Again, I didn't plant any, but the vines came up from the year before and they were, and they were growing. And, and while they were growing, before there was fruit, I had no idea what they were, you know. Um, a master gardener probably could have looked at the size of the leaf or the color of the leaf. And, but to me, they all looked the same. So it wasn't until they produced the fruit that I could identify what the plan is. And, and it's similar in our life that what Paul's saying is you are going to be known by the fruit you produce. Are you producing the deeds of the flesh or are you producing the fruit of the Spirit? Can you identify the transformation in your life? Can you see it in what you're doing? And Paul says that's evidence of this change in heart. It is, it is the indication that you're walking by the Spirit. Or it's indication that you're walking in the flesh, in our sinful nature, in our human nature. And so, number three, Paul says, you have this power to live this new life. And Paul's going to tell us, put it into practice. We live differently. And so he goes from these lists, the list of the fruit of the Spirit and the list of the deeds of the flesh. He goes from these lists of these attributes of the fruit of the deeds of, of the spirit for the flesh. He goes from that into just showing us how we live differently. Four things, four practices of living differently. He says, number one, we serve with humility. This is what it looks like when we're demonstrating the fruit of the spirit. We serve with humility. He says in verse 26, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. When we become boastful, when we challenge one another, when we envy one another, it's a demonstration of the deeds of the flesh. You ever been part of a club, part of a team, part of an office, part of a community, God forbid, part of a church, where challenging, envying is kind of the normal, boasting is kind of the normal way that we do things? You get together in your club or in your office around the water cooler or the Coke machine or in your club when you get together with your friends. And, and when one person starts kind of telling about their story, they've just come from scuba diving, and scuba diving in the Caribbean. And then the next person feels like they have to up it a little bit. And they tell about the time that they went scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef in Australia and how wonderful that is. And then the other person's got to up that. And so they talk about scuba diving in the Indian Ocean. There's no place like the Indian Ocean. You're missing out if you haven't been to the Indian Ocean. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's just nobody's even listening to each other. They're just one-upping each other. You ever been in that or at the soccer field, the one parent starts bragging about their child just making the, the, uh, uh, the A team. And, and, and then the next person has to talk about where their child just went or just made the, uh, the, the dean's list. The next person has to talk about how their child made the, 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 the president's list. And not that there's anything wrong with being proud of your children or of their accomplishments, but just this constant need to kind of justify ourselves by one-upping everyone else, by boasting, by comparing. You ever experienced that? You probably have because you live in Northern Virginia. And <laughs> Northern Virginia, I, I, I feel like, is the uh, uh, home of insecure overachievers. We, we all are driven to achieve these amazing things, but we're never securing them, so we're always trying to Yes. Well, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
when the Holy Spirit fills our lives and we walk in the Spirit, that need to find our justification by boasting or by comparing or by envying others, it's gone. We know our security is in Christ. We can achieve or we can fail in this world. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether other people esteem us or don't esteem us because we got that security. And in that, we can serve with humility. It was such a beautiful thing. I've now been here for three of these Together We Rise Against Hunger events. But it was such a beautiful thing to see people coming from all different traditions and just serving. You know, I, I can be a little competitive. And when I first went to the Gather We Rise Against Hunger, I was looking at people at other stations going, we're moving faster than them, you know. <laughs> we're feeding more hungry kids than that. And station 14, look at those guys, you know. It's not that bad, but it, it, most people aren't doing that. We're working together in humility, making this world more like God's kingdom. And that's an attribute of walking by the Spirit. When we walk by the Spirit, when we're led by the Spirit, we don't uh, boast or, or have that envious or have that, that need to, to find our place by comparing ourselves. We serve with humility. The second practical application of this new life that we have in the Spirit is that we restore gently. This is letter B on your sermon notes. If anyone is called in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. If anyone's called any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. It's an acknowledgement that in the church, people are going to be called in trespasses. Not everyone's going to be walking with the spirit 100% all the time. People are going to fall spiritually. People are going to fall into sin. People are going to struggle. People are going to have difficulties. And the the, the collective attitude, environment of the church is not to kick those people to the curb. It's not to say, oh, you blew it, you're out, you know. It's not to say, oh, we don't do trespass around here, you're done, you know. The, 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 the work of the church is to restore those people. But Paul's saying spiritual people, when he says spiritual, he means those who are walking by the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit. Spiritual people have this ability to restore others gently. You ever had something in your life when you fell down and when you struggled or when you hurt, when, when life wasn't going right for you, restore you gently? It's a beautiful thing. It's, a, it's really a gift of God's Spirit in our lives. I wish I were better at restoring people gently. My, my, I wish as a, as a father I had been better when my kids were little at restoring them gently. You know, my kids are now 19, 21, 23. It might be too late for me to, to develop that. But I, I remember, I, I just wish as when my kids were little, I, I was, I think, good at letting them know when they had made a mistake, when they'd gone off. I, I was good at kind of pointing them in the right direction. But I don't know if I was good at restoring gently. I, I wish that just as a, as a Christian, as a believer, as a pastor, I were... I were better at restoring people gently. This is part of walking by the Spirit. When we walk by the Spirit, God works in our lives to restore. If anyone's caught any trespass, we who are spiritual, we restore them, but we restore them in a way that, that gently incorporates them back into the people of God, that, that, that woos them back, that protects their vulnerability 
that ushers them back into the family. That's the second attribute, second characteristic, second practice, really, of those who walk by the Spirit. The third practical practice of those who walk by the Spirit is that we bear with those who struggle. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. That verse, Galatians chapter 6, 2, is the theme verse, the foundational verse of the Stephen Ministry Program. If, if you're new here, uh, you may not have heard of Stephen Ministry. Stephen Ministry is a program that trains lay people and sometimes staff, pastors in church, trains them on this bearing with ministry, supporting people when they're going through a tough time, helping people when they're struggling, picking people up when, they're, when, they're, when, they're, when they've fallen in life, bearing one another's burdens. That's really the mission of Stephen Ministries. It, it trains folks to be able to be those listening ears, to be those who pray with, to be able to be those people who walk through a season of life with those who are struggling. Um, if, if you are going through a season in your life where you're struggling, we could assign you a Stephen minister who would be there to bear with you as you struggle. Maybe you're going through a divorce or maybe you've lost somebody in your life or, or maybe you're just going through a spiritual struggle or an emotional struggle. It, it, a lot of times in our lives, it's necessary to have somebody kind of be the hands and feet of Christ with us, caring for us in those times. And if you do, by the way, are interested in, in knowing more about Stephen ministry or, or understanding how you could have a Stephen minister or how you could be trained to be a Stephen minister, you can learn all about it on our website. If you go to ChristChurchVA.org, just put Stephen ministry with a PH, Stephen ministry with a PH in uh, the uh, search bar, you'll, you'll find all, all about it. But just because a church has a great Stephen ministry program doesn't absolve the rest of us of doing what the Scripture says, right? I mean, it'd be easy for me to say, well, I'm not a Stephen minister. Oh, you're struggling? Let, let me, let me put, point you over to those people. And I will say that. But, but we, all of us, can be those people empowered by the Holy Spirit who bear with those who struggle. There may be somebody in your neighborhood who's struggling. And we'd be happy to assign them a Stephen minister, even if they're not part of our church. But maybe God wants you to step in their life and support them and help them as they're going through a divorce or as their kids are having a hard time or as they're struggling. Maybe there's somebody in your office. Maybe there's somebody in your family. Maybe there's somebody in your extended family who's going through a struggle. And when the Holy Spirit is walking in our life, as we are being led by the Holy Spirit, this is a characteristic, a practice that develops as part of our life. We become those who bear with one another when we struggle. That's the third practice of those who walk by the Spirit. And there's a fourth, this is our last one, and that is that we bear our own load without complaining or boasting. Verse 5 says, for each one will bear his or her own load. Verse 3 and 4 said, for anyone who thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself, but each one must examine his own work. Then he'll have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. We bear our own load. We, 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 we don't, you know, we're not loafers or, or lazy, spiritually lazy people who are just carried along by everyone else. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a counter to what Paul has just said, that we bear one another when we struggle, and yet still each one of us bears our own load. We, we have a part to play. 
One of the beautiful things about Christchurch is seeing the ways, just the diverse ways that you all bear your own load. There are folks who really sacrificially undergird our ministry financially, who, who tithe and go beyond their tithe in sacrificial ways to make this ministry happen. And we all bear our own load financially, stewardship, but they bear a load. There are folks who have a passion for prayer and, and they undergird our ministry with a prayer ministry. Now we all have a responsibility to pray, right? But they're undergirding. There are folks here who have a passion for serving and you guys know who they are. You can see them and they're always looking for opportunities to serve. And, and we're all called to serve, but they're almost examples of how to serve. There are folks that have a passion for discipleship and they're always wanting to lead the classes and to serve. It's sacrificial. They're giving of their own time, their own uh, you know, ability to do the things they enjoy because they have this passion for discipling others. There are folks that are passionate about sharing their faith and they're inviting their friends and they're reaching out and they're sharing the gospel with people. And we're all called to that. We, we all have a, a load to bear. But one of the inspirational things uh, about being in the church is seeing how other people bear that load so gracefully because it's the Holy Spirit in their life working through them. It's not like it's a work to them. It's like, I mean, it obviously is work, but it's, it's the work of God working through them to do it. And we all have that ability. And it's not just true in church and in spiritual things. It's in our own lives. It's in our financial lives. It's in our, our stewardship of our time. It's in our relationships. We have a load to bear. The good news of the gospel is when the Holy Spirit's in our lives, it's the Holy Spirit who's bearing that load through us. Well, what Paul is saying, and this is, this is what set up that whole, that second part of, the, of this passage is all about how we live this out, right? But it comes after. These are the deeds of the flesh. These are the fruit of the Spirit because Paul wants us to see this is not a list where you should go home and say, oh, pastor really got on me today. I got to fix this part of my life, right? That'd be easy to feel that way. But Paul wants to make this very clear to the Galatians. This is not a you fix this. This is a we can walk with God's Spirit who God has given us. And as we do that, we live differently. The Holy Spirit's like a present that's been handed to you, a gift that's been handed to you. But we've got to open it up. We've got to use it. It's like a new pair of shoes. We've got to open it up and put them on. And when we put them on, we walk differently. That's what the Holy Spirit, we need this gift, the, the person of God in our lives. But once we receive God in our lives through the Holy Spirit, we choose to walk daily with him or we choose to walk in our own strength. And Paul's saying, walk by the Spirit. When you walk by the Spirit, you have a super power for living. When you walk by the Spirit, you live differently. When you walk by the Spirit, your life produces a different result. That's the main idea here is that you have a super power for living. And we need to walk in that power. When we walk in that power, we live differently. That's good news. That's the message of the gospel is that God has entered into this world in Jesus Christ and God has entered into our lives. And when we walk with God's presence in our lives, we walk differently. Let's pray that I may so in our lives. 
Lord God, thank you that you've given us yourself. In Jesus Christ, you've offered us your, your own son for the forgiveness of our sins and for our new life. And now, in the giving of your Holy Spirit, you've offered us yourselves. You've filled our bodies with your very presence. You've made us your temple. And, and, and so, Lord, we just pray that you would give us the grace to walk daily with your presence in us and to be able to live a different kind of life because you're living through us. Empower us, Lord, to be the moms and dads, the brothers and sisters, the, the, the servants in this world, the workers, the neighbors, that you'd have us to be so that this world can see you, Lord Jesus, through us, your church. Empower us, Lord, to be led by you, that everywhere we go, you might produce your fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.